being open and being willing to put yourself out there. Ouch. I'm sorry. Didn't mean. Sorry, Garen. I didn't mean to just get up here and like talk for a long time. I think because I, I think because um, the past couple of weeks have been real hard. And it's really easy to rush into, okay, well, our, our house is put back together, so we, we must be good. Let's just keep on moving. Or, well, it's okay. You know, we, we have it better than some people, so we're just going to keep on moving. And yet, I don't know about you, but I feel violated from the storm <laughs> a little bit. I feel grief over what I've seen. And I think that we have to be real with each other. This is, and, and not just storm stuff. Life is hard, y'all. It's a, living is a chronic condition, as one of my favorite authors said. I want us to really look past the smiles that we love to give each other in a place like this and know, just like I've got my stuff, the person in front of me has their stuff. And so when we extend peace to each other, this is not a flippant thing that we do. This isn't something that we just say, hey, how you doing? Great football game. I don't know if it's even football season. And it's more than that. It is, I don't understand life right now. I don't understand the fact that in, in some moments I have like this really peaceful um, existence, and then the next moment I have an anxiety attack. I don't understand that, but I know that Scripture says that he gives us peace. I know that this is a fruit of the Spirit, that as the Spirit is at work in my life, peace is a fruit. And so because of that, if I am in communion with God, if I am connected to God, then peace should be a fruit that is growing in our lives. And because of that, it's our job, our responsibility, and our privilege to extend that peace to each other. And so, will you stand with me? This morning, as we extend peace to each other, I know that this is not a comfortable time for some of us who are introverted. I get it. I get it. So maybe just find one person. Maybe don't feel like you've got to greet everyone that you see this morning. But will you look at somebody else right in the face and extend God's peace to them? just in the same way that you need to receive it from your brothers and sisters. I need it. I need it. So friends, may the peace of Christ be with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Please extend that peace to each other. Kiddos, I'm going to be back there after announcements.
check. Can y'all hear me? Hello? 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 Hey. Man, I hate to cut this short, but uh, I'm, I'm okay as long as everyone else is okay. <laughs> hey, I want to make you aware of a couple of announcements very quickly. Um, first off, thanks to Pastor Jen and Pastor Jason and Pastor Tim, our online pastor who's in the back. Um, anytime you need something, I hope you know you can go to Jason, Tim, Jen, or myself, and we'd love to help assist you. And I want to run through just a couple of real quick announcements, and then we're going to get back on track. The first thing is three by three. What Jen was talking about, this is the reason we are starting three by three. For a place for you to be real with two other people, three times a month, for 30 minutes, with three simple questions. The questions are these. How are you seeking God? How are you seeing God at work in your life? That's an easy question to answer. It doesn't take you prepping, and it doesn't take you researching a lot. Number two, is there an area in your life where you need encouragement? That's an easy one. These are not difficult questions. We're not asking trigonometry. And three, how can we pray for you? We want to get three people together three times a week for 30 minutes, and so we want you involved. Three times a month, not three times a week. I keep doing that, don't I? That's why, no, that's so. Three times a month, and you'll, we're taking names and information, and we're going to connect you with people, and we just want you to get together. It can be over coffee, it can be over disc golf, it can be over whatever you want. So, second announcement is Core 52, sorry, Quest 52, started this past week. We had a great group. Look at this group. That's a good looking group. Um, and this is open for anyone. This is a 52-week study on the life of Jesus. Dusty, can you do anything about that ring? Um, turn the house down a little. Maybe that will help. So, this is a 52-week study. And here's the great thing. If you can't make it this week, that's okay. Make it next week. Each week is a different topic. It's not building on anything other than you learning more about Jesus. And so... We had seven last week. I'd love to see 15 there this week. So come, we're going to talk, I think, Miss Debbie, is it the Trinity this week? Woohoo! Trinity and Incarnation. If you're like, I don't know what that is, then you need to be there at 7 o'clock. It's going to be awesome. Or as they said when I lived in New York, wicked awesome. Because we were making fun of the Bostonians who say, wicked. Alright, third thing. Night of Worship is coming up the end of this month. Do you realize that our church hosts one of the largest CR groups in Volusia County, and we have a pretty awesome band led by Danny. And two, on Saturday, the 22nd, we're going to have a night of worship. You want to come. This is full throttle, high octane worship. And then Livingstones is going to be with us the next morning leading us in worship, so that's going to be great as well. But... Don't settle for three or four songs on Sunday. Come for the whole thing on Saturday, all right? Do you need up here? All right. Good morning. Um, my name is Debbie. I'm a member of the church board. And I wanted to make an announcement about October. Because in October, we honor and celebrate our pastors. And we are very blessed here at Portal Lunch to have four amazing pastors that work very hard for you. 
Um, as a matter of fact, this past week was um, the district pastors and spouse retreat. Unfortunately, due to the hurricane, many, many pastors were unable to attend, so the district is um, canceled th- that portion of it and encouraged some to be able to get away, but I know Jan and Jen weren't able to do that, so um, they will hopefully be getting away again with um, some rescheduling, but we wanted to just make this announcement and ask you first um, and foremost, and I know all of our pre- pastors and pastoral families appreciate this, the first thing we'd ask for you to do is to pray for us. Um, as Jen was saying, sometimes being a pastor and having that weight and responsibility is really tough. And so first and foremost, please pray for our pastors and their families. Secondly, during this month, we would like to encourage you to write notes, um, give words of encouragement. They don't have to be the handwritten type if you're more of an email type person, but um, we will have in the back every Sunday a bag. And those bags are actually very large um, on purpose because we want you, we want to outpour our, um, some of the blessings that we've received and give them back to our pastoral staff. So it could be um, a, a note of encouragement. It could be a gift card. It could be a pie. It could be uh, a drop by the church with a cup of coffee, you know, or texting someone in advance and saying, hey, what kind of coffee do you drink? I'm at Starbucks. Can I bring you a coffee? Um, but whatever it is, during the month of October, um, please remember our pastors and if you are led, please encourage them because um, we are truly blessed to have Jaren and Jen and Jason and Tim <laughs> on staff. And so we just wanted to um, let you know about that, and we will be giving you weekly reminders um, every Sunday. Thank you. Now, th- there are a, a couple of you guys I don't want notes from we don't use that kind of language around here. So anyway, as we, we have an offering time, um, this is a very, very unique time for us to think about how we offer our our tithes, our talents, our time. Uh, have any of you driven just a mile up the road and turned left on Devon or gone down to Spruce Creek and driven over to Dunlawton? They've lost everything, and that is that is huge. A lot of people have lost everything around here. This is this might be tough, a uh, little theology. Some people may not agree with me, but here's what I have observed in my 46 years. God is not going to go and put drywall up in those houses overnight. He's not going to put flooring in. He's not going to pay for stuff that was damaged in people's houses that insurance and FEMA won't cover. That's just kind of how it is. We know the system. God's not going to give them words of encouragement. Oh, he might. He might in a dream or uh, who knows. God has set up a system where we offer ourselves as conduits of his love. So as we talk about offering. I'm going to move beyond not just what the church needs to to operate, but how can we offer ourselves as the love that Christ has shown us to the community around us? How many of those uh, flood victims down there are here with us this morning? Actually, I recognize every face in here. 
Yes. I live right down the street from that. I saw floating cars on that street. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It will be us getting out and offering ourselves, that magic word, offering, that love that is needed in our community. If we do not put our words into action right now, we will continue to just diminish as a place. Overall, Christianity in America is on its way out the door because we don't put our rears into action. I'm just going to be honest about that. We have made everything about stuff in the building and very little about getting outside of the building and doing the hard work of offering ourselves. So as we pray, let God speak to you about how you can be the hands, the feet, the love that has been shown to you that you can be that in our community so that our community can be transformed. It has already been transformed in the last week, I guarantee you. Just go drive around a little bit. There was a different kind of transformation, a good, holy, amazing kingdom of God transformation that needs to happen around here. And God wants to use us. If you claim him, he wants to use you. There is no other way to see it. Let's pray. Let's just let him speak to us. Father, once again, I just want to start by thanking you, by praising you, by, by acknowledging God, you are, even in the midst of disaster, you are, you're holy. You are nothing but love. You have been so merciful to me shown me so much grace and to, to all of us in here. And Lord, might we be activated by that love to be living sacrifices. Living sacrifices that that write checks to people that need it. That swing hammers. That use saws. That carry loads. That cook meals. Might we be those kind of offerings to you in the lives of others. Lord, we want nothing more than to see this world transformed into the kind of place that you dream it to be. Let us be a people that dream your dreams, God. We praise you in all things. Amen. God in heaven, your name is holy. Bring your kingdom to earth. Do whatever you see fit, Lord. As above, so below. Give us what we need for today. Forgive us for what we've done and help us to forgive those who have wronged us. And keep us from evil. Everything is yours, God. Forever and ever. Section of the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. La uh, so two weeks ago, we got in the first part, and um, this week we're in the second part. So... Two weeks ago, it was, how does God's kingdom come internally? And today, we're going to talk a little bit about external. And so, um, Tammy, I think we're going to skip ahead to uh, the sermon stuff. So, the question is, if you'll remember, last week I told you I, I, I had a sermon ready, and we were pushing it off so that we can be the church. And I said, 
So do you want the example of Macbeth or do you want the example of Forrest Gump? Let me know. And I didn't get a lot of uh, response. So the question is, which one do we want to start off with? Which one do you want to hear? Forrest Gump? Awesome. So Macbeth was written in 1606. Oh, y'all. <laughs> okay, I'm going to breeze through them both quickly just because. So Macbeth was written in 1606 by William. Oh, thank goodness. All right, this is one of my favorite plays. And this deals with, um, okay, so you got Macbeth. And he's coming home from battle with his buddy Banquo. And they meet these three witches. And they are greeted with this very ominous greeting. It's like, um, hail uh, Thane of Glamis, which Macbeth already is. Hail Thane of Cawdor, which he's not. And hail King thereafter, which he definitely isn't. But through the course of the play, Macbeth ends up murdering the king so that he can become king to fulfill what the witches said. He then has Banquo, his friend, murdered because the witches also said that his children would take the line after Macbeth. And Macbeth is like, I don't want that. If I'm going to do this, let's do this. And so then you have all this stuff going on that is really kind of crazy. And the witches say he is pretty much invincible unless some impossibilities happen. Now, some of the impossibilities we're talking about is they say until the Burnham Woods come to Dunsinane. Well, now, how often do you see a forest walking down the street? So he's like, all right, I feel pretty good about that one. However, he doesn't realize that Macduff is coming with his army and he's disguised his army by cutting off the branches of the trees and they're hiding behind him. And so the woods were coming towards Dunsinane. Seems impossible. And yet, another impossibility you're going to be king until someone not born of a woman kills you. That seems pretty ironclad, doesn't it? However, they get into the final battle, and Macduff, now, and I hope I'm not spoiling this for you, but it's 450 years old. You've had time to watch the movie, if not read the book. And Macduff says, ha ha. I don't know if he said ha ha, but that's how I picture it. They're, they're fencing, he says, ha ha. I was not born of woman. I was untimely ripped from my mother. He, he was a C-section. And so, impossibility. Ooh. Now, if you, okay, have you studied this, Jules? Like, what's the main theme in this play? It's the, the issue of two things. Fate versus someone. Faith versus free will. Was Macbeth fated because the witches said it, or did he choose it because he did what he wanted? So, just in case you wanted the Forrest Gump, I was really thinking you were going to pick Macbeth, so I don't even have a picture of Forrest Gump. But let's go there real fast, just so that you're happy, um, because I want you paying attention the rest of the time. So you got Forrest Gump, and you remember, he's like, life is like a box of chocolates, you never know what you're going to get. Thank you. <laughs> That's actually my Nashville accent. That's not me doing much. Um, you never know what you're going to get. You get what you get, and you don't grow a fit. Life is sometimes fated to you, isn't it? You got Lieutenant Dan up on the top of the boat, and he's screaming because he's like, I was supposed to die in the war. I shouldn't be here. It was my fate. And then you also have Jenny, the free spirit, who chooses her own path. The movie begins with this feather floating along, and it ends with this 
feather floating away. As if there's this, this freedom found in the wind. So is it chance or is it choice? Is it fate or is it free will? Now here's the problem. Many of us live our Christian lives with that very same struggle. Most of us won't admit it, but we do. We pray to God with this list of demands, but we realize that God's going to do what God's going to do, and so I really don't have a choice. So I'm saying it because I was taught to say it, and I'm talking to God, but he's going to choose to do it or not do it. I don't really have a choice. I'm fated. Have you ever thought that? But then, just in case he has any, there's any wiggle room, I'm going to say, oh, but Lord, after I've listed these 30 things that I want, but not my will, but your will. As if, let's appease God and somehow. But in reality, many of us are surrendering to this sort of fate. And I don't really get to choose what happens. God's got it all determined for me. I want stuff, and God likes me enough, and if I, I ask him the nice way, and maybe he'll do that. So many of us live our lives as if we're struggling with this. Is this, is this spiritual life chance, or is it choice? If it's chance, then I just pray your will be done with resignation, because it's going to be done no matter what I say. If it's choice, then I'm tempted to think that I actually have some control over my life and that I'm actually going to get to do what I want and maybe God will help out a little bit, but pretty much I'm building my own kingdom, right? I mean, I'm doing pretty good. God, I'll call you for the big stuff, but I've got this handled. Chance? Choice? Either it all depends on God or it depends on us with a little help from God. And when we pray, your kingdom come, in the Lord's Prayer. The question is, are we saying, your kingdom come, Lord, because no matter what we do, it's going to come? Or are we saying, your kingdom come, and help me be part of it, and choose? Is it chance or choice? Now, here's what I'm proposing to you. What if it's not fate or free will? What if it's not chance or choice, what if it's a both and? Hear me out. What if it's what God is fading for humanity, what God's plan is for humanity, joined with our free will and participation with God? What if it's a both and, not an either or type of situation? Let me give you an example. Let's talk Disney for a second, because we've got to at least have something from Disney or Duke in most of my sermons. So let's talk Disney this time. My family loves Disney. We love the parks. We love the hotels. We love everything. They call it the Magic Kingdom. Hello? And it is. Have you been there? It is magical. Well, it is, and it isn't. I mean, Disney goes to painstaking effort to make the magic happen. That doesn't just happen. People don't just act that way. It takes everyone doing their role, doing specifically what they're called to do, whether you're a princess or whether you're taking out the trash. Everyone has to buy into this Disney mindset, this Disney-dumb. It's the Disney kingdom. 
if everyone doesn't join in, if everyone's not on board with the Disney ethos, then it falls apart, doesn't it? The magic ends. Everything's in chaos. Nothing's left to chance. When I, when I was taking an ordination class um, in Texas, one of the guys teaching it used to work for an airline, and one of the things that they did was they took the leaders down to Disney, and they did one of the Disney leadership things, and they took them up to the, the presidential thing in Magic Kingdom. You know what I'm talking about, the Hall of Presidents, where all the animatronics are, and it's a bunch of robots, stuff like that. And you've got all the presidents, and you have um, Roosevelt. If you'll recall, he was in a wheelchair. And they took, they took everyone up, and they pulled up the pant legs for Roosevelt, and they found a brace on a robot's leg. And they said, will anyone ever see this? It doesn't matter. We want to be authentic. We want to be accurate. So whether anyone knows it or not, we know it. And we know that he had a brace on his leg. And so he put the brace on his leg. People buy into this Disneydom. They say what they should say. They don't say what they shouldn't say. They're taught exactly how to, how to point and how to direct. They're taught everything because they understand that they are walking, talking images of Disney. If you're a cast member, you are Disney material as far as you represent them. Disney doesn't just happen. And y'all, neither does the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has a very central message. It's the heart of the gospel. It's the mission of Jesus. From Matthew 4, 17, where Jesus, where it says, from that point on, Jesus began to pre preach, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come all the way to Revelation 22, 20, where we hear, even so, Jesus, quickly come. The theme of the gospel is God's kingdom coming. Now, if you recall, two weeks ago, we talked about what does that mean if I'm going to live in it? There are some things that are, that I have to do to live in that kingdom, but it also means that we become part of it. Disney has a plan. It's their fate. It's their vision. But each cast member chooses to participate to fulfill the mission of Disney in the same way. God has a mission. God has a plan for redemption and restoration for humanity. And each of us, if we are called Christ followers, must choose to live into that vision.
Do you hear the fate mindset of that? We're part of um, the Church of the Nazarene, which follows more like the John Wesley mindset. And we believe that there is very much free will at play. Yes, God has fated, this is my will, that all people should be saved. I came to the world so that whoever believes will not perish, but have every life, everlasting life. It's fated, it's predestined, that's the goal. However, you and I get to choose, will we accept that? Will we live into what God has predestined for us, or will we choose our own way? It's a both and. Are you with me? Will I participate? Now, one more thing. Just so that we don't make it all about, like, I chose to participate. I'm something that's part of this thing. None of us can even be aware of our depravity without the work of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives before we're even aware of it. Before, before we realize that we're called to participate, before we realize anything, God's prevenient grace is going before us. It's preparing us so that when, when the time is right, our spirits realize, oh my word, I am bankrupt spiritually. I need a Savior. We will. We're created to respond. Wesley would say this way, uh, uh, one person said it this way, Wesley's characteristic emphasis was that we are pardoned or we are forgiveness. We are forgiven to participate. Now this is where, I didn't talk to Jen about it, but this is where what Jen was talking about. This is where I didn't talk to Jason about it. This is what Jason was talking about. If you are of the opinion that all you need to do is ask for forgiveness and check, I'm not going to hell anymore, now let's do my own thing. You are not living what we would call a Christian life. Now this is going to hurt some. Wesley would call you an almost Christian. He says an almost Christian is the person that talks like a Christian and acts like a Christian but they haven't surrendered everything. They're not living and participating in God's grace. The almost Christian is not what we want to be. We want to be the altogether Christian, which is what Wesley says, is the person that participates in God's grace and restoration for all things. Are you with me? I feel like two weeks ago was more a sermon and this is more a lecture, but I want you with me because this is so important. What Jason was talking about doesn't work if you aren't participating. What Jen was talking about doesn't work if you're not participating. And we didn't even plan all these things. Isn't it neat how God just orchestrates people's hearts to say things that just line up? Just line up. No, we believe that God's grace was speaking to us. Let me say it this way. When we ask Jesus into our lives, and when we choose to live under the authority of the Holy Spirit, which is what it means to ask Jesus into your life, it's not a fireproof insurance. It's a complete surrender. When we surrender to the Holy Spirit in our daily lives, then our focus changes. Because as much as 
The Holy Spirit wants you involved. The Holy Spirit has a primary mission, and that's the fulfillment of God's predestined plan, which is the restoration of humanity. So when you come under the umbrella of the authority of the Holy Spirit, you then are part of the mechanism to bring about God's change in the world. Your salvation is part of the plan, but it is not the end of the plan. Did you hear that? We're called to participate. We're called to what we in the Nazarene church call sanctification, which means every day I'm a little bit more like Jesus. It means I don't plateau and I'm not satisfied with staying the same because that's not what Jesus called us to. So I grow, which means every day I have to choose again to surrender to what God has for me. We call it holiness. And what happens is we start to see the kingdom of God around us when we stop looking at ourselves and we start looking through the lens of the Holy Spirit at the world around us. Just want to make sure that we're clear. This isn't an additional thing. Well, I'm going to do the base level Christian and maybe I'll add on some sanctification and being more like Jesus. No, no, no. This is the core of our faith. If we're truly Christian, this is our identity. We bring the kingdom. A lot of us live our Christian life almost like we're buying a car. Have you been to a dealership before and you're like, okay, I want a car, but I want it to look this way. And I really want the, um, the fun package because I want the sunroof. I don't really care about the speed, so I don't need the power. Can you fit me in like a souped up economy car and like we want to pick and choose what we want? Have you done that? Jim, has every person in the world that's coming to your dealership done it that way? I want everything for nothing, but in the same way, a lot of us live our lives like, well, I want, God, I want the forgiveness part. But I'd like to opt out of the surrendering because I, w I want this, but I don't really want that. And if you're going to say, well, it's part of the package, I've got to do the surrender if I want the forgiveness. Okay, I'll do that. But can we get away, can I, can I drop the accountability part? I'll surrender if you'll forgive me, but can we get rid of the accountability? I what I want is Christianity economy style. I don't want everything you can put into the car. I don't want everything you can put into the Christian faith. I just really want the forgiveness. And anything that comes with that, I guess I'll, I'll deal with. That's not who we are. It's not who we're called to be. I can't look at any scenario in the Bible where Jesus is, is involved and you can read it and think, ah, Jesus was just putting in the minimal. Jesus was doing just enough. You could tell he wasn't in it. He was just punching the clock. 
Christ is our model, and that's not how Christ was, we cannot assume that that is what we can be. Our model gave everything. And if we are going to be images of that model, it requires everything. In a sense, we're kind of fated. It's our fate. We can't choose a different Jesus and be authentic. But it's also our choice because we have to choose, will I submit to the authority of this true God? And if we can learn to live in that messy middle where we are striving for all that, that God is and all the time God is showing us more of himself and changing us and transforming us and we're responding by obedience and surrender and okay, change my heart. Good, I'm glad you're changing because that was step one out of 500. I got a lot more to make you holy. Okay, God, I'm surrendering. It's this both and. So today... Every day we have four questions. Every Sunday in this series we have four questions. So let me ask you the four questions. If you took this part of the Lord's Prayer serious, that I truly want your kingdom to come, how would your life need to change? Because the truth is, until you reach the other side, this needs to be your mantra because Christ will always bring change. Second question, what small things do you see as hope-filled evidence that the kingdom is breaking in? I love this question. How would looking for and rejoicing in the smallest signs of the kingdom change your outlook on the challenges in your life God, I don't need you to hold back the sun for nine hours. When going to the beach and seeing the beauty of your creation is enough. That's a small sign compared to what you can do, God. But it changes my outlook on everything else in my life. You see what I'm saying? Third question. God's been doing God's part. That may be the most accurate sentence I wrote this week. God's been doing God's part. Have I been doing my part? Am I living in complete surrender to God so that God's kingdom can arrive in my heart? Because until it arrives in my heart, until it's internal, it can't be external. Fourth question. Who are the marginalized in our community? This kind of goes to what Jason was saying. What does it mean for the kingdom to be extended to them? And I'm, am I willing to be that kingdom extension? I don't know if it's fate or free will you want to go with Macbeth, I don't know if it's chance or choice, if you want to go with Forrest, if you want to go with Walt Whitman, the poet, it's, but the powerful play goes on, you may contribute a verse.
not your place. Stop. But God is calling you to participate. If you don't like poetry, well, how about a Jewish prayer that says, May his kingdom be established in your lifetime. And may you help establish it in yours. Or um, what I thought we'd do, a lot of times I give you stuff each week to remind you of something. Y'all are going to laugh, but this is what I thought of. I want to be what Jesus would be, and I want to do what Jesus would do. And it made me think, you remember these? What would Jesus do? The question was never meant to be asked rhetorically. The question was meant to be asked, and then since it's connected to you, you are the answer to what Jesus would do. So we're going to come up and take communion. If you're visiting with us, um, we practice an open table, and what that means is You don't have to be Nazarene. You don't have to be a member of this church. This could be your first time here or your first thousandth time here. It's not our table. It was set and prepared by the one who gave his life for us. So if you are a follower of Jesus, or you long to be, or you're not quite sure, but you want to be, you want to want to, this table's for you. We actually believe that this act of communion can be an act of salvation for you. By you actually saying, I don't understand it all, because none of us understand it all. That's where faith comes in. But you say, I don't understand it all. But this first step towards that plate is me saying, God, I'm going to walk your way. So Jason's going to help me with communion. And we are... um, First time since COVID, going to return to intinction, which is a dipping, but we're doing it post-COVID style. So I'm, we're going to sanitize up, I'm going to glove up, and I'm going to hand you the bread so that your hands, no offense y'all, but your hands aren't all in everybody's bread. So I'm going to hand it to you with a glove, and then you will take it and dip it in the chalice, and then... I encourage you to grab a bracelet. I encourage you to wear it, put it in your purse, put it in your car, put it on your um, stick shift so that every time you're somewhere regular, that question is on your mind. God's kingdom is coming. Am I participating? What would Jesus do? And I want to do it. So um, we're going to invite you up. Um, Let me sanitize up. This is the part that you don't always think about. On the night that our Lord was to be betrayed, he was with his disciples in the upper room, and it's as if he said, you really want to know what the kingdom is about? I'm about to show you. He held up the bread at the right time and he broke it 
and he distributed it. He passed it around and said, this is my body, which will be broken for you. Take, eat, ingest it in the same way that this bread nourishes your body. My life is going to nourish yours. And then he held up the cup the right time. And he lifted it up and he said a prayer. Chances are they sang a hymn. And then he said, this cup represents the new covenant. I say it all the time, but God sure loves that word new, doesn't he? Not that the old covenant was bad. The old covenant was a miracle, but this is something new. This represents my blood, which will be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take, drink all of it and be thankful. So I'm going to invite you to come. Dusty, I don't even, didn't even talk to you. If we have some soft music or Danny, if you want to come and play a little, I give myself away or I'll let y'all work that out. But we're going to pray and then um, you'll come receive the bread from me. Go to Jason and I encourage you to grab um, a wristband. Father, it's your table. None of us by our own merit deserves to have a seat. And yet, because of your grace, there is room for all of us. Thank you for reaching all of us. We come to your table and we receive these elements, understanding that they nourish our body in the same way that we are then called to take you out and be nourishment for sick and dying world. Help us to live on mission, always remembering that your kingdom has come. Your kingdom will come again, but through us, your kingdom is come even now. We pray this in your name. Amen. For logistics, I'm going to ask that you come to the center, since there's only one line kind of, and, and we'll serve you as you're ready. Once you dip, you can take it like this.
I tell you, I love that. And there was two people. I didn't. I only saw half of you, so it was nice seeing all of you today. Will you stand with me? If you're visiting with us, we sing our benediction, and uh, it's simple, so you can catch on, or you can just receive it. Uh, sing with me. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Hey, we'll see you next week. We'll be talking about... Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're going to start rolling this because we want to finish the Lord's Prayer um, before Advent. So, so we're, we slowed it down a lot. We had to get to your kingdom come. That was the, that was the tough one. So now we're going to start trucking. So we'll see you all next Sunday. Don't forget Wednesday, Quest 52. Tuesday, Celebrate Recovery.